Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. This is week 10, part 2 of our series, Freedom from Fascism, a Christian response to mass formation psychosis. I am Michael J. Sutton. The theme for this week is mass formation psychosis and religion. Why are the churches lying about taxation? The question for today's podcast is, how can we put the fear of God back in the church? The most radical question today is how to put the fear of God back in the church. The last person the church's fear is God. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1.7 The psalmist asks that God may teach to us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90 verse 12 the churches believe their days are both secure and guaranteed. Their wealth is safe and their power is preserved. But this is false confidence. It is time to give the churches something to really worry about. No, I'm not speaking of persecution. They avoid that by being like the world. I'm not talking about calamity. I would not wish that on anyone. It is time to go straight to the thing they love the most, their most sacred treasure and source of power. No, I'm not talking about God or faith or Jesus or the Spirit. I am talking about money, their money, or the money they've accumulated. Have you worked out the church's greatest deception yet? Did you know the churches have been lying to the government for at least a century? This is large-scale deception. Forget the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset. Forget the CIA and global espionage. Forget the military-industrial complex. All these things are distractions for middle-class intellectuals with too much time on their hands. There's always something going on somewhere. There are always forces in the shadows. Also forget Bill Gates, Elon Musk and George Soros. They are wealthy guys. They have every right to use their wealth to promote their ideas. It's perfectly natural. After all, it's their money. If you had a trillion dollars, you might want to say a few things as well. But this lie of the church is more important because it concerns the reputation of Christians in our world. As Paul says in Romans 2.24, As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. It concerns the name of God, in whose name Christians like to walk. Christian assemblies like to talk about walking worthy of the gospel. Colossians 1.10, Ephesians 4.1, 1 Thessalonians 2.12, for example. The problem is that they don't, because they're guilty of something they have been hiding for at least a century. This deceit is the cause of most of their problems, it is why Christian fascism flourishes, why faith dies, and why attendance in churches have collapsed. It explains all the problems in the West. This deception will lead to the downfall of Christian fascism once and for all. It may break the church. If this lie was exposed, it would lead to the biggest reform in Christendom since the days of Luther. It's time for the churches to come clean, before they're forced to. 
How to put the fear of God back in the church? Well, expose the lie. What is the lie? It is about taxation. Churches prefer to lie than follow God. The Bible clearly teaches church must pay tax to the state. This is not just an individual, but churches themselves, the assemblies, must pay tax. This is indisputable. It is impossible to argue against. It is as plain as day. God wants churches to pay tax. It's in the Bible. I did not make it up. These commands are clear. The payment of taxes by the church is unavoidable. The Bible teaches the payment of tax from the church to the state. Paul mentions it twice in Romans. He is emphatic. The church must pay tax to the government. The fact that they do not means the church is a sinning against God. Governments are also failing in the duty, in their duty to follow God, which means they too are in trouble. How to put the fear of God back in the church? Well, remind churches to perform the act of love Paul speaks of in Romans. Just pay tax. In the letter to the Romans, Paul is writing to the assembly of Christians or assemblies of Christians in Rome, the Church of Rome. His letter is not to an individual, but to a group of people. The words he uses are interesting in Romans. He does not use the term ecclesia, which he often does in other letters, such as 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2 or Galatians 1 verse 2. He calls them the assemblies or churches in Galatia. Paul, however, also uses other phrases as synonyms in his description of Christian assemblies to qualify what he means. The word assembly, ecclesia, in Greek is generic. It doesn't, does not mean Christian. It could refer to any kind of gathering. Paul needs to add additional information so his readers are clear as to whom he is writing. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says that he is writing to the assembly of God in Corinth, those who have been sanctified in Christ, called out as saints. Verse 2 of chapter 1. In other words, he is writing to the gathering of saints, Christians who have been called out or made holy, set apart by Christ or by virtue of Christ. Why does this matter? Well, because Paul uses the same terminology in Romans. He is writing to the holy ones, those called to be saints for his name's sake, to those in Rome, beloved of God, called out as saints. Romans 1 verse 7. Payment of tax is a corporate Christian duty. If Paul is speaking only to individuals and there is no corporate responsibility, this interpretation would do linguistic violence to Paul's entire letter. Paul is speaking to two groups, Jews and non-Jews, Gentiles, those of the nations. To say that Paul suddenly addresses individuals only in these few verses introduces a virus into Paul's understanding of both the body of Christ and union with Christ. The church will say that I'm wrong, that Paul is addressing only individuals and not the assembly or the church itself. Who cares what they say? I'm interested in the truth not in material power parading his virtue. While Paul places an emphasis on the personal nature of salvation, he does not promote the idea that Christians are not connected to one another by faith in Christ. Indeed, we are united to Christ by faith. We are part of the body of Christ. We have the fellowship of the Spirit. 
if the church is to obey the government, then we must pay tax. You might remember this passage from the heretical COVID theology, Romans 13. During COVID, Christian fascists used Romans to promote the obedience of the church to the state public health policies. The argument was that churches needed to shut down to obey the government. The churches needed to introduce vaccine passports to obey the government. The churches need to cease comment on public policy to obey the government. In the same breath, Paul says that the church must pay taxation. In fact, he says it twice. Paul writes in Romans 13 from verse 5 to 7, Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, who give their full time the governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. Therefore he repeats it twice in verses 6 and 7, the necessity to pay tax. Next time your priest tells you to pay tax, ask why he doesn't. Churches certainly demand that their members pay individual tax to the state. They do not, however, want to pay tax themselves. Indeed, the last 150 years has seen established churches escape further into a labyrinth of tax-free loopholes, schemes, uh, exemptions and arrangements. At the same time, individual and corporate taxation has flourished and increased. In other words, While ordinary people and businesses in the nation pay higher and higher taxes, the churches have managed to secure deeper exemptions for themselves. This is a disgraceful, sinful abomination. While the poor, the vulnerable and the unemployed struggle for higher wages and unions and sectors negotiate incremental rises in living conditions, the churches sit pretty and are laughing all the way to the bank. How to put the fear of God back into the church? End the church's love affair with easy money. Paul insists that Christian assemblies pay tax to the authority. He tells them twice in the same passage. But for Paul, it's no big deal. Paul is like most of us. We all pay tax. We do it. Taxes go to help society. It's no big deal. Paul addresses taxation in passing. His thinking is that it's quite normal to pay tax. After all, there was the temple tax, and he possibly has this in mind as a model for Christian assemblies. Many assemblies met in someone's house, but not always, such as the assembly in Corinth, which may have met in a public place. Paul also couches his discussion in terms of love. Christians are to pay tax out of love for the nation, out of fulfilling a debt to the nation. Do churches love their nation? If so, then pay tax and express that love in action. Give up some of that money for the sake of love, for the sake of following Jesus. Churches should pay tax as a gift of love to the nation they pretend to support. Paul says in verse 8, immediately following the verse on taxation, Let no debt remain outstanding. Accept the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. In other words, assemblies ought to pay tax to fulfil debts and act in love. Is this not what the Christian fascists are always talking about anyway? 
It's a pity they do not bother to do what they preach. Churches should pay tax. I don't see why it is such a big deal. Imagine the impact of, on the gospel of Jesus Christ if the churches voluntarily set up taxation arrangements with the state and said, listen, we will pay tax on our properties, on our income, and we will end the special treatment we have enjoyed. We will now be treated as a service provider, for that is what we are, and we wish to make a valuable contribution to the nation. Imagine that. Can you imagine that ever happening? Sooner or later, however, the state will come for the wealth of Christian fascism and wrench it out of their hands by force. Is it not better to give it up voluntarily? After all, you corrupt hypocrites. God demands it. How to put the fear of God back into the church? Introduce some taxing times for an institution that believes itself to be above the law. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can read today's podcast on our blog at freedommatterstoday.com or listen to all the earlier episodes of Freedom from Fascism. Join me tomorrow for another episode of Freedom Matters Today.